Welcome back to the Cozy Cozy Podcast. I'm elated to share a lovely female founder with you today named Erica Ignatovich, and I hope I said her last name correctly. Uh, she is the founder and CEO or co-founder and CEO of Little Honey Money. They are based out in LA and you need to know about them if you are pregnant, if you have a friend that is pregnant, if you have a family member that's pregnant, or you're thinking about getting pregnant, any and all things to do with pregnancy, this is the coolest new thing out there. Basically, the concept that you're going to learn about today that she was so inspired to create is that instead of creating a long um, baby registry, which we all do, right? You do need a stroller. You do need some bottles and some swaddles and some onesies. Uh, the concept of Little Honey Money is to make a registry for the mama, right? The mama needs some postnatal care, some postpartum care, some postpartum food that's nourishing, that's healing, some maybe a night nurse, maybe a lactation consultant. I was so overwhelmed when I was preparing for postpartum. Um, I found the registry to be super easy because I was so lucky that a friend of mine sent me hers that was kind of typed out with links in an email and I just literally copied and pasted it. Um, so for me, I was like, what do I, where do I even start? Um, there was formerly a company in Boston that helped get some lactation support and they tried to help you get it covered by insurance and it ended up not working out for me to get it covered by insurance but um, I did end up getting a lactation consultant which was amazing um, but it was such a process and it was it was a lot of money and um, I ended up having a postpartum doula once my son was like closer to eight weeks old but Nevertheless, I'm so excited for everything that Little Honey represents as far as supporting and nurturing and nourishing the mom. And there's so many unexpected costs that come up after you come home from the hospital that have nothing to do with baby clothes. So listen up. You guys are going to love this one. I'm very grateful for Erica taking the time. Um, if I sound different, it's because I recorded this in a hotel lobby on my headphones, and I don't know if I've ever recorded a podcast on my headphones. So the sound on my end is not my absolute best, but Erica sounds amazing, and that's most important. So I hope you guys will be inspired to check out Little Honey Money and and see who else they're connected with. Um, one of our former guests, Sydney Bliss, who actually connected me to Erica, so thank you to Sydney for making that connection, um, is uh, of Milky Oat. Milky Oat was on this podcast, and they are an affiliate with uh, Little Honey Money, which is super cool. So you're going to want to check out both of those brands, and today you're going to learn about all the ways you can support yourself and also the incredible founder story that Erica has. I've been so inspired this year, clearly by all the guests I've had on, to get with entrepreneur female entrepreneurs who are in the thick of it, the ones who have not raised $200 million yet, the ones who do not have a ton of hype around them from like a press standpoint yet, although some of them do have, have, have some press. But my point is I really respect the people that are doing it out of their heart, out of their pure desire to make the world a better place. And um, right now what's inspiring me is not kind of the end of the journey. It's more of that beginning of the journey. So like Gaia Baby Goods, like uh, Little Cocoa Bean Co., like Milky Oat, all of these female founders have just been so lovely to hear from this year. And I hope they're inspiring you too. And Erica is sure to motivate and inspire you. So thank you so much for being here and listening today. And um, I wanted to give you guys just a quick update that we are hopefully going to have some brand photo shoot shots up um, in about a week or so from when you're hearing this. If you don't follow Cozy Cozy Mama or me, on Instagram, all of the links are in the show notes. Um, please check that out so you can follow along with the behind the scenes of our brand shoot and check the show notes to find all the ways you can connect with Little Honey Money and Erica. So hope you guys check that out. Hope you guys loved my little solo cast bonus episode yesterday or two days ago on my New Zealand update. And I am so excited for you to hear from Erica. So without further ado, I welcome Erica Ignatovich. All right, Erica, welcome to the show. 
Thank you so much for having me, Garrett. I am so glad to be here with you and to learn all about your venture and about you personally. And I'm going to ask you our question that we're asking all guests this season, which is um, what makes you uncomfortable or what is an uncomfortable experience you've had recently uh, to kick off the show today? Uncomfortable. I don't like opening gifts in front of an audience. I, I feel like gift giving is a like kind of an intimate, like when there's a good meaningful gift, it's like kind of between two people or a gift giver and the recipient. And it makes me really happy and excited to give gifts to people and to watch them open it like, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. And I feel when someone gives me a gift and it's like something they really wanted to give me and they, you know, put thought into it or it's something meaningful, it's like a really sweet you know meaningful moment between two people but when I have to open a gift from somebody in front of like other people it becomes like you know reactions and ew, just don't like it <laughs> uh now I have to ask did you have any uh baby showers in your experience or wedding showers or engagement showers Yes, I did. And I think maybe that discomfort comes from, <laughs> I remember at my, I think it was my, yeah, it was a bridal shower, but um, my aunt and mom took it more of like a, I don't know, bachelorette party gift. They kind of went in a different direction. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it just is, I mean, actually, that was funny. I actually like that one. But, um, you know, I think in like recent years, I don't think I've I think most of the gift opening happens um, in a more like, you know, after the event. Um, but, you know, Christmas comes to mind. I feel like Christmas time, you're opening in front of an audience and it, you know, family and friends and whoever's around. And that just is, I don't know, <laughs> it kind of makes you as a, for me as a gift giver, it kind of makes me like, I don't know. I don't know. Just it's an, it's just an uncomfortable, I think one of the most uncomfortable uh, situations I find myself in sometimes. Well, it's funny because I've never had that one on the show and naturally I'm connecting it kind of to what you do. And I'm also thinking about how in recent years we haven't had a ton of time together. Um, so I kind of want to table this for later in our discussion, but um, showers in general and gift giving has changed um, a lot in in the vein of not being able to be together and not being able to celebrate big milestones with uh, the pandemic and kind of what happened. Um, so I'm going to table that. I have a note. I'll come back to it. Um, okay. Before we go there, um, tell us a little bit about who you are um, outside of work, outside of career. Just who are you as Erica? I am someone who likes to exercise and um, I like a lot of, you know, I like a good mix of structure and a good mix of like unstructured kind of stuff that happens in my life. I like to wake up in the morning and definitely have a coffee first thing and um, find some movement in my day. And I like to, you know, I like self-care. I like long showers, I like prefer a shower and a bath. And just, you know, all the things, just taking a long time in the bathroom, just doing everything. Um, I, I like, you know, spending time with friends. I have a small circle of friends that, you know, um, in my in my free time, um, you know, but those are the kinds of things I like to do. Um, I am a homebody, spend a lot of time here with my family. Um, and I also like to travel with my family. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing all of that. And it makes me um, want to ask you a little bit about how motherhood changed you um, and what your journey into motherhood has been like, because I'm hearing self-care and I'm like, gosh, that's sometimes one of the hardest things to feel um, that we get enough of um, in, in motherhood. So talk to us about your motherhood experience. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that's changed is I am someone who loves my alone time. I love, you know, I, I just, 
it makes me happy. I have time to reflect. I can be alone with my thoughts. It's my favorite. And that's something I don't get as often anymore or rarely. Um, and I think that's the biggest piece. Um, I still have time for my self-care and I still prioritize it. And I think my husband knows that that's a priority for me and I'm modeling it for my kids. And I think that that's a positive in our house. And um, I hope that they kind of understand what it means to me and why, so that, you know, one day if they find it on their own too, that they also connect to it for the same reasons that I have. Um, I think it's changed in that I used to take care of myself for me because it made me feel good. And it, um, you know, I just, I always, I've, I've always been in tune with my body and I've always kind of been able to find the things that make it feel its best but now my self-care I always say this it's not just about me it's about the rest of my family too because when I am taken care of and I am feeling my best I am able to show up for everybody in a much better way than when I'm depleted or when I haven't had time or you know and, and it happens I mean there's some weeks where things are normal and we're in our routine and everything's great everything's flowing fine and then there's sometimes when I'm you know it's a week's gone by and I haven't really had time for myself because we're doing so many things for the kids or the business or anything else. And it, you know, it happens. And um, we feel the difference, not just me, but we feel the difference as a family. And I think that that's one of the biggest changes is that my self-care needs aren't just about me anymore. They're about everybody in my family. I think that's such an important thing for people to hear too, because uh, it can feel selfish in the moment, right? Your kid's crying for you. Your husband feels like he's the last on the list or needs more attention too. There's things to get done for the house, um, not to mention anything involving maybe your own career or personal goals that you have. And um, and yet you make such a good point that everyone else's cup is going to be able to be filled up from your uh you having your own cup filled. So thank you for sharing that. And I'm wondering, you know, going into motherhood, did you have intentions around working, around not working, or um, what were you expecting um, maybe in your first pregnancy? Oh, that's an interesting question. So when I had my first, she came a little early and I was actually at the office, I was working for, uh, I was working in furniture and home decor. And I was on a project that we were really close to finishing, um, at least, you know, that part of the part of the project. And um, I just kind of had my head in the sand, focused on it, hopefully going to wrap up this portion of it before I gave birth. And as we know, we can't plan when labor is going to happen. And we can't plan when the baby's going to come. And she came early and she came fast. I was at the office until about 5 p.m. that day. And she came, I want to say an hour and 45 minutes later. And um, so I did a little bit of a reverse maternity leave. Like a few days later, I finished the loose ends that I was working on. Um, we kind of finished it at my house the materials and everything came to my house and we finished it there and then once that wrapped then I was able to kind of really like take a beat and enjoy my baby and my you know my new motherhood and just kind of get in the swing of things of this new chapter um the conversations that my husband and I had had going into that were really I mean I was I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if or when or how or all of it, you know, that was something that um, we just figured out as we went. And and I, I feel fortunate enough to have been in the position to be like, I'm not sure how this is going to look and we'll figure it out how, as we go. Um, but that tends to be the way I approach kind of anything in, in life. I mean, even when I started my business, it was like, I know the problem I want to solve. I don't know exactly how this is going to like look and feel at every turn, but you, you figure it out as you go. And um, I ended up going back to work after my baby was eight months and it was a little bit in a, in, in a part-time work from home capacity before COVID. 
Um, so I was fortunate enough also to have an employer who, you know, was able to let me do that. And that I was in um, a position to be able to do that so that I could still have, you know, at that time I was ready. I wanted, I needed to kind of go back to a different energy and to have um, some other parts of me that, you know, we, we weren't seeing at home. So, um, but I also wanted to be there for my baby. I loved being, you know, I loved the newborn phase and I loved being with my baby and it was hard to leave her. Um, so um, I will say it, it's different for everybody. And for me, it was a nice kind of balance to have both and to be able to um, show up for myself and do the things that make me feel uh, valued and important and, you know, happy and fulfilled and, you know, using my brain in, in ways that I enjoy using it and also being with my, my children. And also that's hard and it's new and it's a whole new job that I didn't know how to do. So um, it was for me, something that just kind of unfolded and evolved and continues to evolve. Even now, years later, the way that I balance work and I balance my responsibilities as a mother and a wife and responsibilities to myself, it, it's in constant evolution and it's constantly changing. Thank you for sharing all of that. I think it's um, it's really fascinating to me how different the the mental state is between motherhood and working with other adults and do we and and being in your old career and it really does feel like yes. a break. Right? Yes. <laughs> and I was trying to explain this to my husband recently. I'm like, you get a break, and he thought I was like trying to undervalue his job or. It's like, it's so true. It's like, if you know, like, it's almost like, oh, you get to go to the office, <laughs> like, you get to go and, you know, on one hand, yes. Yeah, it's work, but it's, it's, um, you're not taking on the mental load of another human being and, and caring for them. And so I can really uh, relate to what you're saying. And I know a lot of moms listening can that it's a different dynamic and it is one that you can easily miss without realizing it. And it can weirdly be refreshing. Um, one of the things I'm interested in learning about you is at what point you decided to take the plunge and start a venture because what I, so I had the idea for cozy, cozy the night that I mean, not the, the, the name and, you know, the branding colors, but like the actual first product the night I came home from the hospital. And at the same time, it wasn't until 18 months later that I had the energetic capacity to actually take any sort of steps to do something like start a new venture. However, I had been working very similar to you from home part-time along my motherhood journey up until 18 months. So talk to us about where, when, how, and what kind of ignited you to get little honey money going? Oh, I totally relate to, you know, how it unfolded to for you. Um, for me, it was when I was pregnant with my second baby, I knew a lot more about myself and like what I actually used or didn't use or wanted, or, you know, the things that were more valuable to me than others things. And you know, my care, all of it, like, as a second time mom, you actually just have you have some hindsight. And when people were asking me, you know, wanting to help, like, how can can we buy you this? Or what do you need? Or, you know, people sending gifts, I, I, I had a lot because I saved it from my from my daughter. And then I also like didn't, I didn't really think I needed a lot. And I, I would look around and feel like, well, if people are asking what we really need, we need like meal deliveries and we need, um, you know, we're going to be doulas and like, this is like, those are the things I really need. Like, I remember relatives being like, well, what do you need? I'm like, well, I need a doula. <laughs> and um, those were authentically for us the, the, the most valuable. And um, again, I had stuff and I also had friends who had recently had babies that were like, oh, this like, bassinet or you know whatever I was away I was way 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 open to like gently use hand-me-downs the second time around than the first time um and so 
I was thinking a lot about it when I was going through it with my second. And I didn't really understand, you know, like the ideas that were coming to me. It was just like, you know, why, why are baby registries like, oh, that was the other thing. It was like, I was trying to register, but for kind of felt like for the sake of everyone else, because I didn't want, you know, they were buying things anyway. So I was like, where are the registries that are kind of like the things that I'm talking about, the things that I need or um, the things that are not always things like, you know, where are these? And I looked around and just, there were some options, but none that really felt like it spoke to me. Um, and then the real aha moment for me was when I, um, I had had my baby and about three weeks later, I went to a friend's baby shower and, you know, same thing there, like tons of gifts and, um, the conversation somehow turned just amongst the moms that were there about how they, you know, they had a baby nurse or they had a postpartum doula or, um, they had some support after, um, uh, having their babies and that that's all we really need. Everyone kept saying like, oh, that's all you need. It's the best money that you'll, you know, you'll ever spend. And it's life-changing. It's game changer, all of it. And um, that was when I was like, well, if everyone here who is a mom knows that these are the things that we really need, why are we so conditioned to giving moms a bunch of other stuff? And it's just stuff that like, a, they can get at some point as they go along, if they, if they really need, it's not like, it's not a, they're not scarce items that you, they must be purchased before they can be purchased after when they're needed. And second, like if they're, if we know that this is what makes our motherhood better, why are we not in a society or in a culture, or why is it weird to give those things to, to moms if they really need them? So that's when I really started thinking about it. I was like, everyone in Los Angeles where I am is trying to do this, trying to like, you know, have the support they need. We're all having the same conversations, but we're, we're spending the money on those things on our own, finding ways to either make it happen or we can't make it happen because it's too expensive. And yet we give thousands of dollars of gifts to new moms every year. And so that's where I started to think about like, maybe there is a way that we can kind of change this conversation. Not, it's not one or the other, it's not either or, you do need things for your baby, but why are we not talking more about the things that you really need? And those, those things, you know, intangible things that make your journey better. I really, really like, I left there like on a high, like, oh my God, I'm gonna do this. I'm actually gonna do it because this is, so needed and I don't know like when like you said I had my baby I was I was you know three months postpartum I had a toddler I didn't know when or how I would be able to like bring it to life and um I think it was about five months later is when I, I got together with my co-founder and I was like okay I have this idea and I think you would be perfect for this with me I think you'll get it and you know the rest is history and it's been a, a slow build since then but we um, we definitely like both connected on like my original idea and how we can make it bigger and better and really like make it this platform that can really help new moms, um, when they need it. Thank you so much for sharing that. I was actually kind of, <laughs> this is a that weird thought, but I'm like, it's kind of a sick joke that you tell all these people who have potentially had babies surround a first time mom giving her adorable onesies to make it cute, you know, to get her excited about the baby when she probably more than anyone else, a first time mom needs to know that she's going to need postpartum underwear. She's going to need nursing pads. She's going to need, um, you know, postpartum doula, meal delivery, uh, lactation consultant. There's so many things. And um, I remember we were showered with gifts during the pandemic for my pregnancy and so many onesies we didn't even touch. And I'm like, gosh, like, like four hundred dollars could have gone to our postpartum doula, so but, <laughs> right? And it's not—it's yeah. not because people are ill intent, but it's like our culture conditioned us around it. It's not ill intent at, at all. It's actually like it's redirecting the good intent, right? Because people want to help, people want to give you things, and they want to make an impact on your on your journey, and they. Like a lot of times gift and because we spend a lot of time analyzing gift giving, um, a lot of times the gift that's given is motivated by that person's own experiences, right? 
but the journey through motherhood is so unique. So just because it's something that you valued or made your journey better, doesn't make it mean it's going to make mine better. We don't know that, you know? So that's the, that's the interesting dynamic that's at play is that every journey is unique. And that's something that we really, really take into account with everything that we do along the way, because it's, it's so, um, there's no umbrella of things that, you know, every single person needs, everyone is different. And I think the traditional way that we give gifts to new moms is like, everyone needs this, everyone needs this, everyone needs this, and everyone needs this. And you must have all these things on standby. Uh, but in my experience, and in my experience talking to hundreds of other moms, it just doesn't look like that. And you don't know that the first time. You really don't. And I think about like last minute um, items that I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I would need a nipple shield. And I was given one at the hospital and then I came home and it was kind of like wearing, like being worn and I needed to go buy more. And so there were last minute things that had I had like a, I don't know, a cash gift to be able to go buy products for myself and my personal care needs or $70 postpartum underwear that I really loved. Like when I think back to the laundry, my mom was cranking. It was like my clothes from postpartum sweating and bleeding and all of that. And, you know, a lot of burp cloths, but the actual, um, you know, Daca Tot and the Snuggle Me Organic and all the pillows and all the gadgets we had for him. I'm like, he wasn't even using them yet. He was in bed with me and in his bassinet. And I think what Little Honey Money is drawing people's attention to is just how do we set the mom up for her best comfort and success before um, so that she can be the source of everything that she really is for the baby? Yeah, absolutely. And I totally feel that because the mom's needs are so present in the beginning. And like you said, baby hasn't grown into the docket top, baby's not using the chair or the feeding supplies that have been given to you. And, you know, that stuff comes later. And I think so much of the journey is unknown until you get there. And so for us, we're always trying to come back to the idea of like, almost a buy as you go mentality, because you're shopping for real-time needs if you do it that way versus perceived needs, right? Like we talk about that a lot where we, we gift, gift, <laughs> give gifts in case you need it or the baby might need this or, but in real time, mom needs, like you said, what is a nipple shield? Who wouldn't even know what that is before you're pregnant the first time or before you have your first baby? So like mom needs things like that. Mom needs like, if you're nursing, there's a, a ton that goes into nursing. And um, in addition to the supplies, if you're, if you want to nurse and you are nursing, you might have challenges along the way. And you might need a lactation consultant, or you might have clogged milk ducts. And so with that comes certain care that you need, or certain supplements, or, you know, you name it, it's just impossible to have planned for that. Um, just like if you have a baby that is struggling with some kind of, you know, newborn issue, all newborns have this, that, or the other, and you wouldn't know to plan for that care. Um, but if you did, like you said, had a little bit of a like cash fund or a stash reserved for the things that you don't know, that, the things that you don't know yet, then it would make the journey a lot less stressful, first of all, because when financial burdens come up that you weren't expecting, like that is stressful. And I think what we have to know is that there will be financial burdens and there will be things that come up that cost money for your baby and for you and for your care and for your family support. And so um, it's, it's more not being like debilitated by those things, but understanding that those things will come up. And if you can plan or budget for the unknowns, that's, um, you know, that's going to leave you way better off than stocking up on a bunch of supplies that you may or may not use. Absolutely. And I want to come back to um, more about how Little Honey Money operates and supports people on that journey. But before we get there, talk to us about how you knew how to choose your co-founder and what your first steps of starting the venture were because I think a lot of founder stories and founder feature podcasts are like, here's how much money we've raised and here's all the success we've had and here's our mission and our purpose. But like I I'm so interested by like 
where were you when you did the first step and you started, you know, the website or, or, you know, wrote down the logo in a, in a journal? Like what was your first inspired step and how did you know who you were going to take on the journey with you? Yeah. So uh, Joanna, my co-founder, she is the founder of a creative agency and she and I had worked together several years prior. So we knew each other and we had stayed in touch and we were friends and I had seen her build the most beautiful websites and just like sophisticated and feminine and all of the things that, you know, really spoke to me as a consumer. Um, I was just, you know, always impressed by her work and her work ethic. And I loved her entrepreneurial spirit that she had. And, you know, she and I had had several empowered conversations over the years and she's a girl's girl. She empowers women. She loves working with women, women founders. And um, again, she just, you know, she had the experience in tech that I didn't have. And so for me, it was like an obvious, like if she could or would take this on, like she's, you know, I have to pitch this to her. So um, I originally, you know, I, I pitched her my original idea and she loved it and was, you know, wanted to be a part of it, which I was very happy about. And it was just, for us, it was just meant to be. I mean, I don't know that everybody gets that lucky that, you know, they have someone in their life that kind of fits the, you know, the, the, the experience that I have matches so well with the experience that she has and I don't have her experience. So um, it was just a perfect marriage of, you know, what we needed at the time to kind of get this thing going and get it off the ground. And three years later, it's like, you know, we are lucky that we have made the perfect choice. I mean, I don't know that everybody gets that lucky, but um, it's just kind of always looking to the next step. Like for me, the next step was, okay, how do I get this? Like, how do I make, like, how do I actually make this? And it's a tech product. So who do I know that might, you know, be able to fit that? And it was an obvious one there, but I think a lot of people go through different, um, you know, paths to find that co-founder. Thanks for sharing that. I um, can relate in the sense of knowing someone who I trusted, who I felt would be kind of my equal opposite, if that makes sense. And just knowing wow. her personally and, um, and knowing what our strengths and weaknesses are. And I love that you brought up the website because I was just in awe the first time I saw a little Honey Money's website. Your site is stunning and really does have a beautiful feminine touch. I hope all the listeners click the link in the show notes to go check you guys out because aesthetically, even if they're just looking for the aesthetic and they're not building a registry right now, it, it is really beautiful. Um, and I also like you. that you kind of, of course, um, I think it's important to note that you really look at who you know first, because I think sometimes it's surprising how many people we know around us in our immediate kind of friend group or social group that can help and will help. So what were, who were some of your first calls and how did you approach funding? Because I think that's usually one of the biggest questions of where, where's the money coming from? Yeah. So again, one of the other things that I didn't have is the like motherhood support experience. I knew my own experience, but you know, we're building a platform that is intended to support new moms of all kinds. And so my next call was to my doula, Lori Bregman, who um, is just a goddess. And I, you know, I told her my idea and I was like, am I crazy? Or would people use this? What do you think about this? And she, she said, yeah, everyone would use this. And not only like, it's just so needed and I would love to be a part of it. So, you know, I, I really needed to kind of understand how we could build something that would support all different kinds of women. Again, not just the people that have had my same journey, but others. And so the doula aspect was really important to me. Lori Bregman and now Carson Meyer are, sorry, Lori Bregman and Carson Meyer are doulas that are advisors on our platform. And um, that was the next part of really making this something authentic. Um, and yeah, I think that that's, it's been really meaningful in that way that 
Um, both of them are just, you know, amazing, strong women, also entrepreneurs, also just like the way that they take care of themselves and present themselves and carry themselves as women is something that's really inspiring to me and I think a lot of others. And they've been very influential in our platform and the development of it and, you know, bringing ideas to the table. And what I love about, you know, our core, like the the few of us that have been involved in this is that there are no real egos involved in terms of like anyone has been able to like bring bring something up or you know say this is working or this is not working or this could be better or how do we get here and I think that that's been um, truly like how we've gotten to where we've gotten is that we've been able to make changes in real time and just kind of keep it lean in that way. Um, we are fully self-funded. So, you know, there are pros and cons to that. And the pros are that we've been able to kind of make decisions like this, like with not a lot of people involved and, you know, just intuitively also just listening to our customers and feedback and, you know, talking to so many people, like being able to like really understand what we're doing and, move in that way um the challenge is that you know we are self-funded <laughs> so um you know we're we're we are we started the company three years ago we launched it last march so you know i like to say that we're always exactly where we are meant to be um and it's been a labor of love and I love. I just have to say, I'm just like so incredibly grateful for the like the women that are involved in this platform. They've just made it so much better. It sounds like you have a team of goddesses around you, and I love that you bring up intuition. Our listeners, you know, we've probably talked about intuition on at least ten different episodes. Um, I personally believe it's a superpower, and I also know that intuition does not always align with logic and it does not always align with data and it and yet it's always the intuitive decisions right that that are the the super powered decisions that that can make or break things when you're really listening to you know what you're supposed to be doing and where you're supposed to be going um and trusting a lot of trust involved um, absolutely yes so th- yeah we also thank have you a, a business that, yeah we also have a business advisor involved named Nadia Lau and she is just very supportive of that intuitive kind of like movement and it's also just been an incredible voice of reason um in times where you know there are other influences or factors that kind of make make things like put things in question like are we doing this the right way or should we be doing this another way and um it is really nice to just have grounding forces that are also like i trust you know I trust them so much and I, and I, and I value their opinion so much. So it's nice to not be alone in any of it really. Ah, thank you for sharing that. I think that a lot of times it's hard to ask for help and, or know when, when is the right time to bring on an advisor or a coach or like I've had a spiritual advisor, mindset, teacher, guru, call her, call her what you want. Um, But this teacher that I've had that has really encouraged me to do the same has been so instrumental in my journey. And it's just, I love your transparency of of sharing that and that you have such an incredible um, advisor. I'm wondering what your experience asking your husband or talking to your husband about getting this off the ground was like, given that it's going to impact your family. My husband was super supportive of it because I was talking about it for a long time before I did it. And a long time I mean like you know five or six months like I would I would you know get inspired or say something like well see this is why like we and this is why and this is like if only we had it. and so he was the one that was like it is about time you do this you know so I think he he knows me when I am passionate about something or if I believe in something and again going back to intuition he he knows that I've always lived my my life and my path is very intuitive and so um he trusted me in that way I think what was becoming more and more important to us was that our family unit is functioning at its best when we are a unit and we um we were both aligned in that 
it would be almost impossible for me to go back to work for someone else in a full-time capacity that took me out of the family unit because he has a very demanding job. So in, you know, I can have a demanding job and he can have a demanding job, but we can't both be away. And, you know, he travels a lot for work. And so in a lot of ways, it, it's actually, it was, it's better for our family because, and also granted, everything changed after 2020. We're all kind of able to work from everywhere. <laughs> um, but to kind of be in a place where I can, I, I'm on my, my own terms and my own time versus somebody else's is something that, you know, it's not forever. I, I may not always be in this situation or this position, but again, my family is always evolving. So my, my babies aren't necessarily newborn or babies anymore. So at that time, it was perfect. You know, now they're a little older or they're going to go to school or they're going to, you know, their time, our time together is different. So things can always evolve. But at the time that I started this with really, really young children, it was, it was really meaningful and exciting for my husband and for me to be like, wow, like this is actually something that brings me a lot of joy. I'm passionate about, and it, you know, in terms of a business, it like he got my vision and he continues to see my vision. So I think it's always, um, it's always helpful to have a partner that's supportive of what you do. And um, yeah, I think, you know, if you believe in something enough then your partner actually knows that and it's good for everybody. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I had a similar experience of, of realizing if I'm going to take my time and energy and love away from my, my son, it needs to be into something that I'm so passionate about that it's almost equal, right? Like it's something that is so near and dear to my heart. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, it, for me, it wasn't like even like taking care of the newborn or doing this, it was like, I'm taking care of the newborn. And then in the early days, I would do a lot of this at night when my newborn went to bed. And like, so it wasn't like, you have a newborn, if you're their primary caretaker, like, there is no choosing, right? Like they dictate everything. So you kind of have to be okay with the different hours or the different, you know, like uh, unconventional kind of working situation. Um, if that's something you are trying to balance both at the same time. Absolutely. I think moms are the most efficient people on the planet, especially during nap times. And um, I would love for you, I want to kind of come back to the gift giving conversation we started with, but I would love for you to paint for us a picture of what your work life looks like right now, because I've been so curious talking to real moms who are entrepreneurs, um, because it is literally different for everyone because everyone's family schedule is different. So I would just be so curious if you could share like a little snippet of your week or are you one of those people that's like Mondays, I don't work, but Tuesdays, it's all day, or is it just kind of scattered throughout the day? What's that like for you? Yeah, so I like to start the day with a workout, uh, um, but that comes after you know waking up at six, putting my you know getting my kids ready for school, feeding them. Luckily, my daughter starts school really early, and I say luckily because I am not a morning person, so there <laughs> there is no chance I would get things in if I didn't have to. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I would you know I would probably wake up at a more reasonable time, but. Anyway, because she goes to school early, it gets us going early. And um, I try to get a workout in if I can. And because I don't have to go to an office, I don't always have to shower after I work out. So I can actually kind of get right to work if I have to, if I have to do a call or something like, you know, um, I can kind of get right into it. My, my work day is, it starts right after my workout and then I pick my son up from preschool at one o'clock um, and then he comes home and naps and the preschool's five minutes away and he comes home and naps. Like you said, naps, naps are key. My kids are going to nap forever. As far as I'm concerned, if not nap, they do a rest Same. time. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, so I pick him up, I bring him home. He naps for one to two hours and then I continue working and then he kind of slowly gets up and I continue um, I try not to schedule calls between like three and five if possible, because then I have to pick up my daughter from kindergarten and then, you know, she'll come back and 
do an activity or whatever, we'll have family dinner time and then they're off to bed and then I continue working um, just depending on what I have that day. I mean, um, right now we're in, we're also recording podcasts. So a lot of times it's listening to, you know, our cuts of the podcast or preparing for, you know, whatever I have the next day. I'm really big on preparing the night before for the next day. So looking Love at that. my schedule, doing all my like diligence, like actually even setting up some of the emails that I need to send the next day. I set it up the night before. Um, I just like to go into my day knowing what's ahead of me, like ready for it so that I can work out or, you know, when things go sideways with my kids or, you know, one of them sick or something or the other, like I still have a handle on the rest of it. Um, I don't like to just kind of go into a day blind and, you know, not know, not know what's coming next. I think I emailed you yesterday because I kind of do my, like yeah. everything that's the day, the next day is like, that's on my radar the day before. So, um, yeah, sometimes I like, I'll randomly have a really late night and it's not my favorite thing to do. Um, but that's sort of how it looks. Um, my husband and I do like a date night or go out to dinner one or two nights a week. So those are nights I don't work. Um, it, you know, it's just not linear. It just, it kind of sometimes all falls within a work day. Sometimes it's on the evenings and weekends and either way it's, it's all stuff that I love doing. So it doesn't feel like I'm just like dragging myself to go and do stuff. It's like, Oh, I wanted to do this now. Like I'll do that tonight when the kids go to bed or like, um, you know, just really like when it, when it comes to like, like reading or writing copy or writing emails, like that's stuff that can't really happen for me during work hours because I'm on call. So that's kind of the stuff that happens later. Um, yeah, that's sort of, that's sort of like it in a nutshell, but again, it's not linear, just sometimes some days and some, some weeks are different than others. Thank you for sharing that. I just think it's really helpful helpful for other people to hear and to also see that maybe what they aspire to do is possible, right? And and knowing that there is no perfect thing and, and what works for them and what helps them, um, as you've described, is, is what's going to be best for them and their family. And I can relate to the the listing. The li I keep like really intense to-do list because the mental lo load of parenting is enough. Like keeping track of everything else is just it's a lot on the mind and the brain. Um, and uh, one of the questions we've been asking the listeners, our listeners, sorry, our guests this season um, is how you are, I know you've mentioned exercise is a big part of your life, but is there anything else you're doing to really come down from that like high beta state of, of being kind of on um, mentally so often and so frequently throughout the day? Um, is there anything you do from a grounding or a spiritual standpoint or uh, for mental health? Because hustle culture is real, was real, is dying maybe, but I think it's so easy to slip back into like, because you're passionate about what you do, same with me, like, oh, I could just do that real quick, you know, while my husband's watching a show or I don't know, shaving at night or something like, I don't know. It's just easy to go back and do more and do more. So how do you find yeah. that balance in yourself? Um, scheduling, like I will schedule, I schedule my workouts. I schedule, like if I'm going to get a lymphatic massage or a massage, I just, I schedule it. Um, I literally put it in my calendar and that's what I'm doing at that time. So, um, I really like, I like, you know, spa treatments. I like infrared sauna. I like, you know, all of those, those kinds of things that we're doing now um, to take care of ourselves. And I think it all contributes to my mental health. And those are times that like when I'm scheduling those things, those are my alone time. So again, I love alone time. I, um, I just think it's important to schedule it. And when you do that, it's, you know, sometimes I have to cancel. I mean, things happen every day. I have to, you know, there's a fire over here or there's a, you know, when, again, a kid gets sick and has to stay home and it's a different kind of day, but there are, is something really powerful about actually putting it in your calendar because there are times you will, you know, not schedule something instead of it. Um, and yeah, I think I always just try to listen to my body and see where I'm at. Like if it's been a while since I've, you know, done a massage I'll, I'll, I'll schedule it for this weekend or if I you know like have um 
I'm feeling tense or nervous or, you know, something like, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, I'll see my cranial sacral therapist and it's, it's just maintenance. It's, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen her in a while or, or, ow, I'm having this issue. Like now I feel like I need to do this. And so it's really listening to yourself and kind of looking within and seeing what you really need. And then maybe just scheduling it. Thank you for that. I love both the inward and outward kind of perspective on that. Um, we talk about going inward a lot on this podcast. Um, so the listeners will love that. Um, I'm wondering, you know, I think back to my baby shower. I've only had that one experience with it. It was during the pandemic. It was virtual. One of the things that was really special about it was that everyone shared something really personal or gave us kind of a message. And it was kind of like a, almost like a circle time. And had we had like maybe a, a bigger party where everyone's just kind of having refreshments and talking or if I was sitting there opening presents, it wouldn't have felt like I received like a gift of like almost like consciousness or well wishes. And this like, re it was just, it ended up being really magical when we thought it, we were kind of like, why are we still doing this? Like, this is kind of weird. We're That's 30 really people. Meaningful. Thank you. Yeah. It was really, really special. And so, um, and at the same time, we're still in the paradigm of, you know, giving the baby gifts that we all think we should have. And I really could have used the support in the postpartum doula space or meal delivery or, you know, all the things that little honey money is, is supporting. So in your space, do you think that we are going to start to see more of a shift in, in traditional showers? Do you think, are you seeing that in LA? Um, and what are you guys looking out for um, in, in the kind of, trends of of motherhood and gift giving well similar to what you experienced i'm seeing a lot of mother blessings instead of baby showers and that's not something that we used to see and i like even when i had my babies that wasn't a, a common thing and i think that's so beautiful and i think it's meaningful and you know obviously very aligned with what we're doing i think baby showers in any form, whether it's a blessing or a shower, I think it's a beautiful thing. I love it. I am all about celebrating new moms. So, you know, hopefully that doesn't ever go away. I know it was weird for a couple of years because of COVID and we, our interactions were different, but I think it's a time in new parents' lives, whether you do it like as just a mother or just like a co-ed kind of celebration, it's a very special time in your life when People want to shower you with gifts and people want to celebrate you. And there's only a couple of those in our lives. So we should absolutely not let those go anywhere. And, you know, new moms deserve to be celebrated and showered with all the things, love and blessings and, you know, whatever they need, honestly. Um, so I, I'm seeing those blessings. I'm seeing, you know, different approaches, like where it, you know, it could just be, it just, it could be, you know, in the circles that I'm seeing, but like, instead of like games and things like that, it's more like looking at the mom, giving blessings, words of love or advice, or, you know, things for the baby to look at one day about their mom or their dad or both. Um, and so I, I think I'm seeing a lot of meaningful, and really loving, sweet approaches that are just unconventional, different, unique, and a lot of times just really like centered around that individual mom, like what that mom would like. Um, so yeah. Beautiful. Um, how are you, how are people finding you guys? Like aside from, you know, podcasts like this and spreading your message and, um, and you guys have a podcast as well. Are you guys, um, I'm just thinking out loud with like, how you're integrating with these in real life events. Like are people giving like a QR code? Are you finding that people are kind of just emailing their registry on little honey money in a similar way that they would, if it was, you know, on a baby.com or whatever um, list, how are you guys kind of positioning yourselves for women to feel confident in asking for this support? Yeah. So each user um, or a registrant, they have a unique link, just like any other registry. So they're adding that to their baby shower invites, which is nice because um, that's one one thing where if you are using this 
and your mom and sister and cousin and friends are all, you know, seeing it. They're having the experience, the little honeymoon experience as well, even if they haven't had their baby yet. So um, we like that. And then um, what was the second part of your question? Because I, I had a, I had a thought that came with it. Um, of just how are, how are people finding you and, um, and position, how are you guys kind of positioning yourselves within, um, uh, the realm of helping women actually feel confident because this is a little different, right? And asking uh, for that support. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Okay. So I love this part because it is so interesting to me that for years, the baby registry has existed. And remember, it actually used to exist in physical form before everything was online. So you'd go to Target and you'd have the scanner and you'd register just like for a wedding, right? And for years, new moms and expectant moms have been comfortable asking for gifts. You can add a million things to your baby registry. I want like 10 swaddles. I want like... 90 onesies I want these bottles and these bottles and these bottles because I don't know which ones I want I want this I want this car seat I want um you know you're like so easy like with the adding things to your registry for your baby but the second it's about asking for something for yourself why do we hesitate why do we do that so that's the part where you know we analyze this all day long because um that's the part where we're trying to help you understand that you are asking for things that cost money, whether you're asking for this or this or this or this, if it's all the same, you are asking for things. And so it is a time that, you know, it's a beautiful time in society where there is a lot of focus on maternal mental health and maternal health. And it, it's, it's different than it used to be in terms of that. Like we're, I agree. we're not, yeah, we're not, and we're not in the like, Oh, you know, martyrdom, like, you know, you have to give up yourself and everything to be a mom, to be, you know, like those things that like make you, you, or make you whole or make you feel good or contribute to your well being are making you better for your baby. And that's the thing where, we're trying to, you know, it's an uphill battle because we are programmed to be like, we can ask for all these things for our baby all day long, but it's hard to, it feels selfish or it feels, um, it's just unconventional. It feels weird to say, you know, gift me this, like I need this nursing bra and I need, you know, I need things, but it, it's no different than if you're getting married and you need things for your new life together, whether it's plates or, um, you know, sheets, things for your house or experiences for your honeymoon. So that's sort of where we kind of like to relate to this, where you need things for your house, but you also like enjoy experiences on your honeymoon and things like that. So yes, you need things for your baby. You need things for yourself and you should enjoy some good experiences with motherhood and have you know some more positive experiences and not just the hard ones you will have hard ones but if you have support and healing hands through it you can have a much better journey than if you just have a bunch of stuff that you don't know what to do with and no one's helping you and um you know like it's it's not one or the other it's both and it's all of it and i think the conversation has changed in in the time that we've even been building this platform um, in terms of women being able to ask for support and ask for help. And I just want to encourage more moms to be able to say like, I'm asking for things anyway. If you really want to give me what I need, help me like get meal deliveries or something because I will not be able to make food for my family when I'm also breastfeeding and needing to catch up on rest. And there's a million things to do. So, um, you know, hopefully some of those barriers are coming down and women are able to look at this from a more empowered place and, and say like, yeah, the, these are the things that our family needs. And it includes me being healthy and being well. Thank you so much for that. I am so grateful that the conversation's changing or that it even is a conversation for women to feel supported, get support. And, you know, breastfeeding is no joke. Going through sleep deprivation no. is no joke and like 
if it's going to be a $70 bra, if it's going to make or break your nursing experience, that matters because that's your baby's nourishment. And so I think, and you're doing it all day long mm-hmm. for so long. Yeah. If you're, I mean, it depends if you want to, of course, like, yeah. you know, if that's your, if that's your journey, but I think that's one of the things that was really surprising to me when, you know, going into motherhood, I was like, yeah, sure. I'll breastfeed. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds like what I should do. I'll do that. And then I yeah. got there and I was like, whoa, this is a huge commitment. I'm down totally going to keep doing this, but it is so much more of a commitment than I ever imagined beforehand. And like, you're basically thinking about it all day, like 24 hours. It's like, when you're going to do it next, when are you going to breastfeed next, or you're going to pump next or, you know, all of it. And so investing in a like garments and a bra and something that's comfortable for this job, this is a job. And, you know, something like that, it's, like, by the way, if we're talking about it, if it is a job, it's a cost of doing business, right? Literally. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, it, you know, I think that that's one of those things where the bra matters when you're breastfeeding. Trust me. Yeah. It's like the bra, you know, the, the care, the help, the support in the house. Um, and I do believe that, you know, part of what I'm seeing in, in watching you guys is your education from your advisors and helping women even know what they don't know that they need, right? And what is available for them and and helping them understand that they can get support and here's some options and here's some things to think about, which is what I love about you guys and, and how you're showing up as a as a brand and and how you're educating women on all of that. I think it's such an important part of the process. I mean, a lot of our listeners are on the East Coast just because of my location for many years. We've got Midwest listeners. I mean, we have listeners everywhere, literally around the globe, but in um on the east coast recently you know a lot of, there's been a lot of light shed on the Duxbury case and and just how hard uh it can be on a mom and some some awful things that can happen when you don't feel supported and so i think um what you're doing goes beyond you know obviously the proverbial $70 nursing bra but like i don't i don't know if enough first time moms or people considering motherhood understand just how much that comfort could bring to you or that postpartum doula checking on you could really bring to your experience and your groundedness and all of it. So I just also wanted to highlight, like, I see what you're doing on that level, um, which is just Thank you. so beautiful. And, and, you know, even just going back to that bra, you know, the $70 bra, it, it can even just be a symbol for like, how important it is to invest in the mother. Like, it's, we invest so much in the baby and no one, no one's questioning that. Of course the baby matters, but even if it's like, if it's just showing that we were putting like the mother as a priority and that she's a figure worth investing in for a $70 bra, like that's, that's symbolic in itself. 1000%. I, I am so with you on that. Um, and I think, um, again, you guys are a big resource for people who haven't been through the experience yet, who don't really, maybe someone listening right now who's pregnant is like, okay, I didn't realize maybe how much it could matter. And I have been putting more emphasis on the baby. So I really appreciate all you've shared today and, and brought light to. Um, and I have, will have everything in the show notes for the listeners, but I always like to have my guests say it. So can you share where people can find you, little honey money, how they can engage with you guys, where you want to be found, any of the things? Yes, we're at littlehoneymoney.com. Oh, sorry, www.littlehoneymoney.com. That's where you can register for anything you need. We like to say that we help new moms get what they need when they need it. So that's where you can use our platform. Um, We have educational resources on there, like our journal and our podcast, um, links to our podcast, podcast by Little Honey Money. Um, you can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts and we're on Instagram at little honey. Beautiful. Thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, sharing your story. It's been lovely to have you and I'm excited for everyone to, to know about you guys and just really embrace supporting themselves and being nourished as the mother. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Garrett. This has been so lovely and I really appreciate you taking the time to 
you know, spread the word about us. And um, I also hope that we can help more moms um, have a better journey. Thank you. Welcome to the Cozy Cozy Podcast. We're here to create comfort along the entrepreneurial journey and really the life journey. Join us for inspiring, dynamic conversations that make the arduous process of venturing out into the unknown feel more doable because we believe in making the impossible possible. We hope you'll join us as we play in the infinite. So pull up a seat, grab a blanket, let's get cozy.